0: Welcome to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast, brought to you by United Basketball Clinics. I'm your host, Matt Smith. My hope is that throughout this podcast, you will gain knowledge in strategy, X's and O's, leadership and culture building that will help you be a better coach and lead your team. Now, let's grow the game together. I'm looking forward to interviewing my good friend, Kevin Furtado, Kevin loves basketball, he loves helping coaches, and he's a really good coach. Kevin is a girls coach at Lake Oconee Academy, he has his own podcast, the Championship Vision Podcast, and he runs one of the best coaching clinics around, the Legends on the Lake Coaching Clinic. Kevin's going to discuss with us setting goals for your team, building culture, competitive practice planning, and also how to pick the offense that best fits your team. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I want to welcome Kevin Furtado, head women's coach at Lake Oconee Academy. How you doing? I'm doing well, coach. Good to see you. Kevin is a great podcaster. He runs coaching clinics. Kevin's a man after my own heart. A great deal of respect for Kevin. And I've always said if I was an athletic director and had a girl's job open, uh, Kevin would be one of the first phone calls I make. Great, <laughs> great respect for him and what he does. And like I said, we're kind of kindred spirits when it comes to what we do in basketball.
1: Yeah, I, I tell you, man, it's – I'm so happy for you, man, because you've been talking about a podcast for a while. And I'm I'm a podcast junkie and I, I love what I do, but I've heard your podcast. You got some great interviews, man. So I recommend for the people out there definitely to tune in. Don't tune in to me, but you can tune into no. all the other
0: guys. Listen guy. to Kevin's, listen to mine, do both of them. But no, I've been blessed just with my connections to the basketball clinics. And you know, we all have a a lot of time on our hands right now, and I listen to a ton of podcasts. I probably listen to more podcasts during the week than I do watch television, yeah. especially with no sports on television now. So, I love going on walks and listening to podcasts, going on long drives. So, yeah, this is this is perfect, and uh, yeah, it's just something I've been wanting to do, and thankfully, this was a time in life that we were able to to do it. But, well, Kevin, let's dive into it since we're talking yeah. about this all this free time on our hands, and uh, what are you doing? Personally, to grow as a coach, and what are you really giving your players to do uh, during this quarantine period, where none of us are in school seeing our kids? Yeah,
1: man, we're doing a um, um, we're doing quite a few things. I'm probably doing more than the average coach, uh, but we're doing what we call the uh, uh, I have a ten thousand shot program um, that we do, and all the kids are expected to make ten thousand shots. I actually give them a sheet that they have to fill out. And this is from our middle school, sixth grade all the way up to 12th grade. Now, obviously you have to have a basket and so forth, and but we feel like um, kids can find an opportunity to get to a basket somewhere. Uh, I know it's difficult and so forth, but um, so that's, we have our 10,000 shot program. We've done that for four years since I've been at the school, but I started what we call the, the Get Better program. And I I really studied a lot of different coaches on what they're doing. But um, I I have a four-phase program that we do. So, And uh, they have a chance to get earned points. It's a competitive system. So um, you have to make things competitive, right, Matt? Um, Yeah. Kids won't do it. So basically what I have here, you can earn points. And the, the different phases are, number one, They can get 40 points if they get in shape. I have a get in shape, which is fitness activities. um, And I have different exercises for them. They have jump ropes, wall sits, and then crunches. And they have to send a video of each one, performing each one for a certain number of times. So I think video is so important now. I'm going to continue to do this, Matt, because how do we know if our kids are doing the workout? This is a great opportunity for them to video, So we get definitely confirmation. Um, We do a ball handling, they got ball handling. I send them a ball handling workout that they do. I have a video thing and so forth that they they can review. And it's one minute ball handling drills. And every video they turn in, they get uh, one point. Um, I also started a new thing here called film study. I put video clips, part of the package, So they get to pick out different video clips, and I have four questions that they do to get points, and they get two points uh, so if they answer it completely. And it's been awesome. The perspective that the kids are given on video clips is unbelievable. Of course, Matt, we use Huddle, so it's really easy for all my kids to get in there, even the middle school kids. We let them analyze our varsity games.
0: That's good. So So is this something that you developed just for this quarantine away from school time or will this be something you do ongoing as part of your other you know workouts or is this basically just for the quarantine time
1: well it's um just for the quarantine time but what I'm finding though coach you know how sometimes you you find kind of golden nuggets sometimes this is a lot of these things we're going to continually do um because i like the video confirmations where I know these kids. So these, these girls are sending me, and also I have my assistant coach. Um, so they send you a video clip, and then my assistant coach and I review the clip, make sure it's legit. And then we, t- we look at technique. We look at, do they go 60 seconds? Do they do it correctly? And then they get credit for it. So it makes them accountable for their activities. Um, and that's, to me, that's a, that's a great way for us in the future to evaluate our players off season work.
0: Yeah. So when it's all said and done and you have, let's say your person who earns the most points, is there some type of reward that they receive or they just get their name on a plaque in the locker room? What what What's the incentive for winning this competition or is there one?
1: Oh, there is one. Yeah. So we have different levels, Matt. We have level one, which is 25 points. Now some of the middle school kids will probably be in that range. And I'll just give you Uh, you know, what we give out. They get highlighted on social media for their achievement. Uh, They get out of a a running pass uh, for the upcoming season. We have, if they earn 50 points, they get highlighted on social media. Uh, They get a door dash for breakfast, which is a $10 limit. Um, If they earn 75 points, again, they get highlighted. Uh, mostly on Facebook because a lot of our parents hey,
0: Kevin, can I get in on this? If I send you some videos of me doing some ball handling, I want to get it on this. I want to get a door for breakfast. <laughs> I mean, I want to get breakfast delivered. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my one of my parents I interviewed today says the only reason I'm ha- having her do it is so they can get a pizza delivered.
0: Absolutely. No, that's, <laughs> really, that's really good. And so, your goal is to make 10,000 by the end of like what's the, the date you're given because that, that's going to take a little time.
1: Well, the 10,000 shots are separate. Okay. Yeah. This is just, um, divided in the four areas of shooting, dribbling, film study and fitness. And then our 10,000 shots, Hey, you're on your own, baby. You, you gotta, you gotta figure that out. Um, and then they have to send me the confirmation. I have a chart for them that they got to fill out everything we do is they got to show us that they did it. But, you know, they can also get other points. 100 points, they get certain number of stuff. Uh, like a, we call it it's, – it's a get-better program, and we have like a get-better T-shirt. They can get 150 points. Now, I got a few kids that will get 200 points.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yeah, you've got some real – you've got some kids who really love the game, some gym rats on your program who, who are going <clears> to <throat> surpass – the minimum for sure and really, really do well with this and, and i'm guessing they love it i mean kids are always videoing everything video video what they're doing sure. they just they just text you the video and you and you guys break it down
1: yeah it is they text it and um uh to both my assistant coach and myself uh, or they email it either way and what's it also matt i have i have everybody on google classroom i have never used google classroom It is awesome, and what what I have is I have everybody on there, and I can keep basically keep track of their grades, their progress on it, and I send things out through Google Classroom videos, all that kind of stuff, and um, it's really great, and everybody's using it now in the quarantine, so I recommend Google Classroom.
0: I'll check that out. My school is using – or our school district is using Microsoft Teams, yeah, um, but I'll check out doing maybe Google just for the basketball program. That's not a bad idea to to keep track of them and and um, so let's talk about what are, when you can get kids in the gym again. And let's say it's June, July. What do your summer workouts look like, look like in the in the summer months leading into heading back to school? And
1: uh, I only go like four or five practices, um, and then we play. We have two weeks, two to two, two and a half weeks of camp.
0: So you do four or five practices in a row, and then you just get after it and do play days and camps and things like that?
1: Yes, sir. But the, the problem is Mercer's canceled, George's canceled. So right now our summer, if we do I, – I run my own team camp. Now, if they let us go in June, which I don't think they will, um, we're just going to pick up games now. We just yeah. got to pick up scrimmages.
0: Yeah, I'm in a good spot where I probably have within 25, 30 minutes – probably get to eight or nine high schools, and we can just have a play day, uh, bring a couple of schools in, let coaches ref it where no one has to pay money. And, yeah, you're right, every camp's been canceled around here. So we're going to have to get creative, which I do a lot of play days anyway with bringing a couple of schools in, uh, mainly for the financial aspect. But we always go to the FCA team camp. I've been going to that for probably ten years with multiple programs. I hate to miss out on that this year because it's good for the kids in multiple sure. ways. Um, so you like to do your practices and then go straight, straight into games. And are you holding any practices during that time? Or are you just playing games and evaluating the players from there? I've
1: actually shortened up in the past. I've done the whole month of June and I feel it was not beneficiary to us. I, cause I have a lot of my kids do multiple things. Yeah. Um, but we're going to go, you know, two weeks, of course, if we come back two weeks straight
0: and yeah. then
1: we're finished and then we just do nothing but individual workouts with like, you know, destiny and hand, those type of kids. Yeah. And, um, because I'm finding, you uh, when you drag it on, uh, you drag it on. I mean, you're not, you're kind of, um, I mean, you're not getting much out of them and so forth and I feel like their time is valuable. Now, now is a little different though, right, Matt, because they haven't done, they haven't done anything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and the, the issue is going to be when we are able to go back, every coach is going to want to get the kids for a lot of time. So we're really going to have right. to be cognizant of that, especially you and I at smaller schools where you've got girls who probably do volleyball, summer softball, things like that. I've got a lot of kids who do football, <clears throat> summer baseball, fall baseball. So we're going to have to really be wise when we can't try to make up all this time we've missed and overload the kids' and parents' schedule. And we still have to – I hate to use the word share the kids – You've got to respect their time and just realize not one district is putting up with this. The entire country is. So let's go back. Let's ease into it. Some kids are going to come back in great shape. Some kids are going to come back in horrible shape. And, you know, let's get the most out of what we can. Whatever time we get in the preseason leading into, you know, going back to school. And so my, my next topic I want to talk about with you, Kevin, is you know, you've taken over several programs. You've been successful, very well respected. When you take over a program, what are some things or some cultural habits that you try to establish from the very beginning?
1: Well, we come in. I actually, um, coach. I actually have a um, uh, a five year plan that I that I gave to my athletic director Chris Engel here, and it's amazing how the goals that I had for my five-year plan is pretty accurate on what has happened. Okay. Um, and, and that's not saying, I mean, that's not saying that, you know, I did everything correctly. Cause I, you know, I did it. Nobody does, nobody does perfect, but I think, I think you have to go in with a five-year plan. Now, after this year, it's going to be another five-year plan. You all, I think you always got to have a set of uh, goals for your program. I don't think it, enough coaches do that. Um, I think when you set your goals for your whole program, I think everything, I think you start following in that direction. I think you, you got to have a direction. Um, but our, our, my main goal was to come in here. We're starting from scratch, Matt. We wanted to build a consistent winning program that endures over the test of time. And we had five areas that we wanted to do. We wanted a program that was built to last over a long period of time. So um, I don't think a lot of coaches come in with that type of mentality. Uh, and plus you have to stay there to get that right. My first year we went three and 18. I think it was my first year. My goal was nothing about wins that first year. Yeah. My goal was kind of starting building a strong middle school program, which I had kids like destiny mm-hmm. and all these other good eighth graders coming up. And then building camps, building uh, a camp setting we call Future Titan. So I didn't look at it because I knew we weren't going to win that many games. Let's be honest. Um, but you have to build it from the ground up. That was my main goal. Now, I think I did set we try to win 10 games. You got to set something. Yeah. Um, but we won three. And to be honest with you, um you know, I thought that was three good wins. We were competitive and so forth. Then the next year, we won 11. And then the, the next year, we won 17. And then, of course, last year, we won 21. And um, uh, we were, I like breaking down goals into um, um, into other areas that are tangible goals. Like, um, you know, we're going to develop a off-season program. We're going to develop a work ethic in our kids by having them do the 10,000 shots, things like that. So I really try to get that established and we really have. And then the wind started coming. Now, of course I have one or two really good players, but I have a lot of average players. I mean, um, so, but if anybody needs that, I can send that to, I actually have them on my website um, and I can send that to you as well, Matt. So you can take a look at it, but uh, it's really kind of helped me, keep my vision going.
0: Now, are these goals things you talked about with the players or just kind of what – obviously some you did, but your five-year plan, was that just something that you had in the administration and your coaching staff? Or is that – there's those things you talked about really openly with the players as well? Uh,
1: mainly with the coaches and uh, my athletic director.
0: So, again, I've met many of your players. I came to the clinic last year, and they're very respectful, social skills, interacted with the coaches there. I watched a couple of the kids work out for a college coach. So I was very impressed with your team and just how they handled themselves. So what are some things that you do to type of build this like team first attitude? And uh, I I would summarize what I witnessed with your kids is just a very respectful and mature group. um, And that I think we were all impressed with, I mean, they all came to the stands shaking hands with the coaches who were there most kids would never do that. And I don't think you forced them to do that. I think that it's just something that is ingrained in your kids. Yeah, well, I appreciate
1: that. And that's probably the biggest compliment that you can give to a, a coach and so forth is when the kids behave in a certain way. Yeah, we really try to establish a culture here, Matt. And um, what we call, we and this is this is being used by another great coach, but um, we call it rowing the boat. And uh, we really believe in that type of culture. Um, and we believe, you know, number one, the oar is the energy. Uh, we want our kids to have great energy. Um, you better bring some life every day to practice. And we want our coaches, obviously, to do, the, uh, do that as well. Um, our boat is the sacrifice. So you have to give up for your teammates. So um, if you're not doing that, the boat's going to sink. Um, and then thirdly is, um, our compass. And that is, we always want to have a direction on which way that we're going. So, and we, when we first established our row, the boat, the girls were laughing and saying, come on, coach, you know, come on. And then we got, then they started to believe in it because they started doing the intangible things during the year. And you know, sometimes you don't see your culture being built until later, Matt. Um, but we really believe in the row the boat theory and, um, our kids, we, we believe that our kids have to represent their school and their community. That's why, Hey, when you see now, of course, now we can't shake hands or give high fives anymore, but they, they expected to be at the clinic and they expected to show class and help out with the clinic because that's what, that's a sign of your culture. I mean, if your kids are just sitting around doing nothing that's a sign of your culture too. So we want our kids to show that they are hard workers, that they are team-oriented, um, and they're about helping others.
0: No, that's really good. And so as you build this culture, if a player deviates from the culture, how do you deal with that? Because, again, we've all got kids that are, work hard and love basketball for the most part, but we're going to have some kids who may deviate from times. How do you deal with that?
1: Other uh, human, I mean, kids yeah, are human.
0: Right, it give kids some grace and help them grow. <laughs> right, but you pull them aside and have a conversation. Yeah, Did you? Like, what? How do you deal with a player who, I don't know, uh, breaks a team rule or or doesn't follow a team guideline?
1: Well, I got i am not going to mention any names. We did have a player last year that um, what did not we want to be part of our culture. She did not want to do so. You know, she was removed. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you got to remove that um and but it was her choice but most of the kids for example um you know they they might not give you their best and what we always tell our kids is you're better than that you can right. always give your best i mean and my job as a coach is to inspire them to get them better than what they are what they think they are right uh, and that's how i come across i don't come across like you know you're you know you you know you're not very good no you you are very good and you can give more than what you're given basically that's how we confront things
0: right yeah i i had some issues uh this year with some guys who wouldn't be on time for school for example and so you know obviously i would check to see was it a was it a real reason but i you know one kid said oh you're 45 minutes for school late for school that's 45 minutes you can't practice and a couple of times they were i just said you know you just can't practice at all today. And obviously missing a practice is going to lead to you hurting your playing time, but these are all decisions. You can't You can't be late to school because you want to go sit at Hardee's for 45 minutes or just sleep in and then be able to partake in everything extracurricular, like the education's first. So I just felt like that was the best way to do it. And then people thought, well, I don't want to miss basketball, so I'm going to be on time for school. And I even got to the point – I don't love doing this stuff, but I got to the point – kids had to come physically sign in my room before school so I could see them. Right. And it's, you know, and every group's different. This was a group where we had to work on the on time thing for a few people, not the majority, but to me, three people or four people is way too many. Um, And I think we won't deal with that in the future from now on because kids learn, learn their lesson. But yeah, you're right. You have a calm conversation with them. you you choose to be late to school on your own. Then that means you're also choosing not to practice. Like you set them up in a where they're making choices. It's not all just punishment. Like they know what consequences are. Um, and I think I think and sometimes you do have to remove a player from a team, but that's that's no fun. That's not anything no, not at all. that we coaches enjoy doing, but it does happen from time to time to protect the culture of the team.
1: Yeah, and I love what you did was um you did remove them from the, I mean, it's an honor to be at practice. Yeah. Uh, and you removed them from that. I think that's the best way to, because what's, what's the best way to discipline put them on the bench. <laughs> I mean, kids, kids know now during a practice, Matt, I will, if, if, if I, I, I will, I will run sometimes I, I'm tough. I might, I might run the whole team. Yeah. Um, and just to send a message, but I don't do that all the time. No. But you have to at one. You have to do some. They have to pay consequence for not following directions and not and not showing effort, um, and not you know not following the culture of the team. So you yeah. got to do what you have to do as a coach.
0: And now, is your culture like you're the varsity coach, but you obviously have some say with the middle school program? Y'all kind of keep the same theme throughout the entire program. Yes. That's yes. Really yeah. Good. It's,
1: it's, it's on, everybody's on the same page. Now I do give my middle school coach uh, and she's great. Her name is Karina Sauter. She's my, my new middle school coach. Um, and I have, you met my assistant, Shelby. Yeah. So I let Shobi kind of help with the middle school. I stay out of it. So I give her that head, that kind of that experience on helping with the middle school. I give my middle school coach I give them direction. They got to get it done. And because, you know, they, they, you want to make sure that they feel like it's a, their program. We'll be right back to the interview in just a few moments. But first, I want to thank you for listening to the United Basketball and Leadership podcast. And if you like what you hear, we'd love to have you write us a review. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast or about United Basketball Clinics, you could follow us on Twitter at United underscore clinics. Or you could visit our website at UnitedBasketballClinics.com.
0: Oh, yeah. You want to give them guidance, but you don't want to micromanage them to the point where they feel like they can't make a basketball decision on their own and and put their own footprint on, on the program um, for sure. So, man, those are great culture thoughts and ideas, and I think a lot of us, we take a little bit from this coach and that coach, and we form our own culture that fits what our standards and what we believe in and also what is going to be effective within our type of kid because we all have a different type of kid that we coach. Right. Uh, different backgrounds, uh, different communities, and those types of things. All right, let's talk a little offense. <laughs> All right, because <laughs> you know everyone's here, and you're like, man, he went from three wins to 11 wins to 17-21. Like Coach Furtado's on to something. So how do you decide what to do offensively with your team? Because you haven't run the same – you don't run the same thing every year, do you? No. So, uh-huh. yeah, What? how do you decide what to do?
1: I started, I, I'm basically, I come from um, a, what I call, it, it's called my motion. It's called my, basically it's a flex offense without a down screen. So I try to spread the floor and get cutters, uh, really spread the floor. Basically, you know, cutter coming off the flex cut. Um, the, the girl who makes that guard to guard pass flares. All right. And then you have the, um, you know, obviously you have the person who screens will then pop. We call it a pop cut. Uh, I've run that for years, but I felt like it was, we weren't, we're kind of limiting where we were getting shots. It was girls become, they start running the offense instead of looking the score. So I've adapted the, the last couple of years into a wide open style. Uh, basically what we call the system. And that is um, four out, five out driving kick. We try to get a shot within seven to 12 seconds. We're looking for drives, we're looking for kick out threes. It is wide open. Now I got the I don't have great players, but I actually have trained the players well enough that they they're open. They they jack the three. They they look to drive and it's they love the style.
0: It's a so you time. give them a lot more freedom.
1: Freedom, yeah, for sure.
0: Which they they have to enjoy playing within that. And then they probably understand in your mind, or based on the scenario, what a good shot it is as well. But you want them shooting it quick. Um, you want to fly down the floor. You've got the open three, take it, crash the boards. I'm sure you've got a big in there who can bang around and, yeah. and play. Uh, I, I met that player. So, um, so, you decided to do this based on personnel, or you just felt like it was getting stagnant or a little bit of both?
1: I felt it was our best chance to win because we talked about this before, Matt, about the system and about all that. Um, I tried, I'll, I'll give you an example. Even last year, We've been we were playing aggressive, and then when we played GMC in the state tournament, um, we went to more of a patient, slow style, and we just we lost. We kind of lost our rhythm. I mean, to me, that was bad coaching. I'll be honest with you. Um, We should have been aggressive, 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 trying to force the tempo because they're bigger than us. They were more athletic than us in certain spots. We were actually more athletic in in more some other spots, but um I think you gotta pick a style and you gotta live or die with it. You can't be changing it. Um the only regret I have from last year, but um we still had a great year though. We average we took probably close to 33s per game. Uh we average uh close to 60 points per game. Our goal was to get 70 shots per game. I think we average about 60, 61, a little, maybe a little higher than that uh, per game. And uh, of course, uh, over half of those were supposed to be threes. And um, I, I'm going back to your question, I guess, was I feel like regardless of our talent, we're going to play that style because I just don't believe in ball control. I've tried it too many times, and you just end up uh, handcuffing your players. And I don't want to handcuff any of my players, but you have to really develop them that you got to put a lot of time in the shooting and handling.
0: How tough was it for the players who have been a part of the your old offensive style of play to adapt to the new style of play? Was it pretty easy or was it kind of tough for them to realize, man, I can take this shot when I'm open. I don't have to swing it around four times and get seven passes. They loved it. As a matter of fact, um, I do feel like I consider you,
1: Matt, a really good teacher. I think you're, you're, if you're going to be a successful coach, you got to be a great salesman. So I, I can sell to my team, this is the best way we're going to win. Yeah. Um, and I really felt like the girl – and they, it took them a while because they're so used to over – and how girls are. They overpass. And when you pass, overpass, ball goes in the other direction or right. somebody fumbles the ball. So um, now we have different things that we run out of it. I mean, so like our big girl Piper, you know, we'll come up and we'll set a high ball screen, spread these shooters out in the corner, hard pick, you know, hard pick roll, uh, maybe a slip roll, whatever. And we're looking for destiny to come off of that, kicking it, because they're going to help on destiny. So the cool shooters are wide. It's really that simple. I mean.
0: what Would you, is it a form of, dribble drive a little bit some of the principles or a little read and react or you kind of took a couple of offenses and made it your own
1: yeah it's it's probably a little bit basically we're gonna drive and kick or pass and cut i know it sounds really simplified
0: so you've got two concepts so they can they don't have to think so much because thinking slows them down
1: thinking definitely slows them down the old jerry tarkanian right you know more you think slower your feet For sure, man. Perfect. Yeah, for sure. So we're, we're usually a four out because I put my big Piper and what I'll do with my big girls, I might put her in the low post. I might spread her in the short corner. I might put her in the high post, but this concepts don't change. So if we go, if we say, okay, let's run a little pass and cut, because what happens in pass and cut, it opens up the driving gaps, particularly oh, yeah. when you change sides. So it's really that simple. And then what we might have change is we, we run a lot of uh, ball screens. Um, we call we call it smoke, where we send the you know like the shooter corner corners shooters, and we come off a high ball screen. So we make it as simple as possible. Um, we do the same thing with our zone offense as well. We we light up zones. We really I mean we just I might spread five girls on the perimeter, and say hey we're gonna attack drive and kick. Teams don't know how to guard it.
0: What are your offensive uh rebounding responsibilities? Do you crash three, send two back? What are you what is your responsibilities there?
1: Yeah, we we, uh, we designate three, four, and five to always crash. And then uh, we try to get we try to get try to get two back, but we usually send um we have what we call halfback fullbacks. Um so when we send one back, usually one gets all the way back, just sprint all the way back. And then the other girl. Uh, now in our defense, you got to understand our defensive system. Now, um, our two will get back to about half court, so that's our half back, Now they will change positions though, because what we do on a missed shot, we're back into the press again. So it could be a half court or a two-two-one full court. Um, and then, as if we miss, we don't get the offensive rebound. We sprint everybody back hard. And then our two guards come up and pressure.
0: And then, people, so your defensive system complements your offensive system to push that fast style of play. Yes,
1: for sure, for sure. Um, and I' telling you, it works. Now our kids just believe in it. So and basically, it's a fun style. So you know, we come in and you know, it's mayhem. I mean, we're going to try to press you, get a lot of shots up, and then sometimes it looks doesn't look very good. I mean. If you go two for 30, man, that doesn't look very good. But a lot of times we get a lot of offensive rebounds, layups, things like that from those misses.
0: Right. No, you're definitely on some nights if you shoot a lot of threes where you'll look up and you shot, you know, 11%. Then you'll have that one night you shoot 43%. Right. So it kind of balances out and you're, you're going to, you know, put a lot of pressure and you get those long rebounds and attack the rim. No, that, that, that's good. And so when you were playing the other style of play – how many threes do you think y'all were shooting a game there?
1: Man, I look back on my huddle stats. We probably shot maybe five or six per game. I mean, wow. what we were trying to do is get the ball inside. Yeah. And you can only get the ball inside so much.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially if if it's just a continuity, any decent coach is going to have a somewhat of a game, you know, game plan to stop that because they can prepare for it at practice. Whereas if you play a wide open style, it's a lot harder to prep for. Before you play, your team.
1: You're exactly right, and uh, we now we were very patient, so we would work the ball, work the ball, and then we end up missing the shot. Okay, what does that do? I mean, you control the ball, but at the same point, you know, you're taking a. I mean, a lot of times, you know, we would turn it over or just get a get an off balance shot. But at that time, we didn't have really strong ball handlers and scorers, and then we started to develop that as our younger kids started coming in and so forth. So now just through the, the time of developing players, our team has gotten better.
0: So back to this made me think on your 10,000 shot, is that 10,000 threes you want them to make or just 10,000 shots in general? Cause I know you are shooting a ton of threes.
1: 10,000 makes. Um, and not only no, because we have, we, I, I believe in the pull-up. Destiny McClendon. Um, her best shot is a pull-up. Now that's not true with all of them. Cause we teach, you know, driving that, you know, or a floater, you know, I believe girls, you can, you can go off two feet, float it or pull up. I don't see nothing wrong with mid range. Now, if you look at the stats though, the mid range is a very low percentage, man. Um, and we shoot higher percentage from three. So we shoot more threes. <laughs> I mean, But Destiny can shoot pretty good percentage from.
0: Well, it's nice to have one or two players on your team that can score at all three levels, you know, around the rim, mid-range, and the three. Yeah. And then you have some who just are good kick-out three-point shooters, and you've got that kid who may just get a lot of their points around the rim. (laughs) Uh, But I know we tracked a stat a few years ago, and we still do, but it was paint-touch threes. Yeah. And if we had penetration or kick-out, man, we had a span of games where we were shooting over 40%. Uh, On paint touch threes and shooting probably in the high twenties, around thirty on our other threes. Whereas, you know, a pass from point guard to the wing with no penetration. Whereas, if I can dribble down and give a guy who or girl who's already squared up just hit them with a laser pass right there, their their shooting percentage goes up where they don't have to worry about their hips and their feet being turned and things like that. So, um, is that what you look for to get kind of in the paint there and get a great kick out? Then
1: the huddle stats are proving it. The wing, the wing three is not a high percentage shot. Um, our best high percentage is point and corners. So we run a lot of overload. So we'll run Destiny or Hannah or let's some of these other girls, and we'll run a lot of overload and we'll pass to the corner, cut through. If you don't come out there, I and mean, we're gonna shoot the corner three. I mean, we just believe the corner three is a hyper, higher percentage shot than the wing for whatever reason the wing threes we don't shoot a high percentage so i recommend coaches take a look at huddle find out where you're shooting well and if you're not either you got to get better or make sure you're shooting the right shots to me that's just trying to get a higher basketball iq through your shot chart
0: yeah no i love showing players a shot chart and uh you know, especially the mid range teams we played, that there'll be a team we will play that maybe, you know, because we've played, we've been playing a lot of zone the last couple of years and there will be three for 17 from that baseline mid range and the elbows. I'm like, guys, those are shots we want them taking. So, like, I'm not, you, we want to guard it, but it's perfectly okay if they take that 14 foot baseline shot. That's a tough shot to make. Right. It's a really tough shot. And I don't think they're working on that a ton of practice because you look at teams that practice are shooting a ton of threes. A ton of finishing around the rim and you may get some mid-range in there. But I think, you know, you've got to also know what kind of shot you're willing to give up defensively. Um, and I know that teams are probably trying to stop your kids getting down getting downhill for that kick out uh to the corner, which is hard to do when you've got a great player who can attack the rim.
1: Yeah, and and what destiny does and I, I gotta go back on I don't a lot of people don't know who Destiny McClendon is, but she's all state player for us. And, um, but she gets a lot of focus. So what I have done is, is trying to get her the ball. And if she's double teamed, she will find other players. So that's the key to it. And she's going to get a lot. She's going to get a touch every possession. So yeah. it's a matter of her. Now we, the only thing we don't want is her force in the shot. So if she gets doubled, man, you got to kick it to an open player. Players are all the other players are open and they're open for a reason. I mean, so as they get better, then we're going to be really, really hard to guard.
0: What are some things you do at practice to build this competitive nature your team has? I mean, do you do a lot of five-on-five, a lot of breakdown drills? I know the popular term today is like small-sided games. I've been doing that my whole career. I just called them breakdown drills. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But what are some things at practice that you feel helps your style of play? You must get a lot of shots up at practice as well.
1: We try to get a um, hundred threes per practice. So at the beginning, we go through a dynamic warm up. I, I divide my practice into four quarters plus an overtime. Okay. So um, you know the first.
0: Quarter. This is probably a two-hour practice. Or? Yeah,
1: it's two, uh, ninety minutes to uh, two hours. So okay. um, I'm 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 kind of as I get older here, ninety minutes is better a lot of times um and you get them in and out quick because you want to keep your team hey load management today man keep your team fresh um because sometimes you can overwork i think most coaches if they do something wrong is they overwork their players but um but we uh we do a warm up a dynamic warm up session we do uh what i call my uh first part of it is the dynamic warm up uh, we do a mental side classroom setting um, we always focus on the mind every game, little mind candy. Um, we do. We always do a warm-up, and we go right into a full-court drill right from the beginning. Uh, we have a couple full-court drills, uh, and then we get 100 shots in. Now, our posts might are going to get the post shots, so our, our big will get rim shots and rim moves and post moves while our rest of our girls get 100 shots.
0: Are they just with a partner? Are they were the partner. They groups of three. How and then we get four sets of twenty five. Four How are sets of twenty five. Sure yeah.
1: And I I get a lot of my drills from Mike Neighbors. You know really well. I have all yeah. a Neighbors drills, man. That guy's yeah. a genius,
0: man. Um, yeah. No, I will use a lot of this stuff as well. Hey, I want to go back to what you said before about the classroom. Yeah. Are y'all physically meeting in a classroom talking, or is it just a terminology you're using?
1: Well, what we do is I I started it uh, um, I. I I had a coach on my podcast and I, and I oh, Keith Coleman and what he does at the beginning of uh, when he talks to his team, he calls it classroom and everybody's on the three point line sitting down or standing up. Okay. So it's a disciplined organized way to talk to your team. He got that from being in the military because usually when you talk to your team at the beginning, they're all kind of, you know, they're maybe scattered together. Everybody can see you. So anytime we're talking to the team, I have my chalkboard right behind me. So I'm talking to my team in what we call classroom. And that's that's what we do. And we go over the thought of the day, uh, what are some key things. So And so you can see everybody's eyes and they can see you. To me, if I had to give anybody advice, that's probably the best advice I can give. You really make sure that they're – and you can study your players' body language and find out who's in.
0: If you meet in the locker room, depending on your locker room setup, you know uh, maybe that works best for some coaches with the whiteboard. But yeah, get them on the court. They're fully dressed. They're ready to go. They're you know there's no distraction. Um, that that's 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 a that's a good idea. Um, so they get their hundred shots in. Are they logging in with you? How many they made?
1: Yeah, yeah they log in with my assistant coach. Uh, we keep track. You want to know if they're progressing. They might start out the year you know, 2,400, which they, a lot of them do. Uh, but I have girls, number one, they'll shoot close to, they'll make close to
0: 53. I Now, how long does it take?
1: Uh, no, we actually, uh, 10 minutes or less.
0: 10 so, minutes. so they're with a partner.
1: Yeah, they're with a partner. Yeah, uh, everything is going to be with a partner. Um, yeah. And we have different drills that we do. Um, and also what we do is we do a lot of Mike Neighbors green light shooting, green light yeah. um shooting license and we do that in post or pre-practice because only certain players are allowed to shoot the three and that's one thing i got from mike was great i love yeah, you know different drills that he has man it's really awesome
0: no he's he's unbelievable so i would suggest everyone here subscribe to his youtube channel and he's also good about if you send him a message on twitter or you email him personally he will respond i mean he is He's phenomenal. So your practice goes on from there, and then what's it look like after that? Are you are you doing competitive things against each other? You're working on your offense, your defense? What's the flow from there?
1: Uh, our second quarter is um, is our skill development. So I want skilled players. So we go through um, we go through ball handling, we go through um, what I call my Magic Johnson passing drills, you know because I love magic. Um, we have a shooting progression that we go to, we actually do the shooting progression after they do the 100 shots. I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but a lot of, a lot of our skills are dribbling. Uh, we do ball handling, we do a lot of footwork. We have a drill that I love is the um, uh, uh, USA, Iowa. I call it Iowa drill, where they work on reverse pivoting, they work on outside hand passing. We do a lot of fundamentals during our second quarter. And boom, everything's timed, everything's quick. Now the one thing I think coaches make a mistake of is they try to do too many fundamentals in one practice. I'll pick out like, Hey, today we're going to do footwork Yeah, and you know, left-hand dribbling. I mean, because I think we try to teach, I think we have too many things in practice. Um, But I have a series of drills that I do passing, shooting, layups, all that. And um, that's our second quarter.
0: Is there something that you do, every day, and I know you do the 100 shots, but is there one thing that you, outside of that, that you make sure you attack, that you do every day, whether it's rebounding or finishing or, because I, one thing we do is we make sure we work on finishing every practice, and we've got several drills uh, and competitive, competitive drills that we do with that, Um, but that's one thing I know we need to work on every single day, is our finishing.
1: Yeah, and we have, um, our set this year, um, we have a couple really, key emphasis. And one of them is better footwork, Matt. I felt like last year our footwork wasn't that good. And so we're doing a lot of, this is really, I think really neglected in a lot of practices is reverse pivoting and pivoting and ripping the ball and being ball tough. And we do a lot of that at the girls level. Um, so no, we're doing good. a lot of, I mean, we're just doing a lot of ball tough drills and, um, we call it we call it ball tough, but We also call it toughness drills as well. Uh, we do rebound every day, so rebounding is definitely part of our our culture here, part of our toughness. Um, and but we only do one drill. We're not going to do like three or four drills. We do one drill, and that's part of our second quarter skill development series.
0: Yeah, I think one thing young coaches can can get lost in, and I know I was guilty of it, is you know you spend. 23 minutes on rebounding yes and and you look at it's like man that's that's a third of my practice that's a quarter of my practice like if a drill doesn't go well sometimes it's the player's fault sometimes the coach's fault sometimes it's just a bad drill or it's just kind of an off day but i don't think you just triple the time on it hoping it's going to get better all the time there's a time to repeat things till you get it right but i think you go in and say you've got you know because my practices are really detailed down to the minute and probably every coach who's any good, they are. But, you know, it's got seven minutes for rebounding. If we need to add on a minute or so, we will.
1: I do agree. I think less is better, Matt. I think that's what you're saying, right? I mean. Yeah. um, Yeah, for sure. I think you have to pick out, you have to be disciplined as a coach. You have to pick out, number one, what is your emphasis of the day? So, I don't think enough coaches do that. I pick out one emphasis offense defense each day. So, you know, today it might be Uh, it might be high hand closeouts. Uh, um, then on offense, it might be, Hey, every time you catch the ball, you catch your face. Um, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta really teach that and emphasize that to practice. Now, if that's not done, then you gotta, um, they have some consequences for that. Um, but less is better is always the best for coaches. If I had given one piece of advice,
0: yeah, less is better, I think, on time and also what you do. I mean, I have looked at practice uh, plans in the past, and I was like, my gosh, we've tried to do 19 things today.
1: <laughs> exactly. We're <all> and now,
0: <laughs> and I'm like, man, the kids are not going to be good at anything because either I spent too little time on it and we're going to one thing or another. Um, so you need to have a kind of a focus of what you want to do. Um, I like, you know, at the end of practice doing like a stop-score-stop type deal where you got to get two stops in a row, be competitive. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got some pretty good little shooting things that we do that the kids love. We track the highest score. And and then we also have a lot of kids who want to get in before school and get extra shots up and do things
1: sure,
0: sure. Uh, from there. So how much five-on-five five do you think you get in at practice? We get
1: five-on-five five every day. Every day? Uh, every day. And we do, um, you know, the one drill – um, that I picked out from Mike is the quick strike drill that I don't know if you've seen it yet, but for our system, I, I love what he does because we basically have similar philosophies on how they, they want to play up tempo. They want to get a lot of shots, but the quick strike drill is a great drill. And that is he puts 30 seconds, five on five, yeah, 30 seconds on the clock. Um, and if, if you get a shot off, Let's say you get a shot off at 25 seconds and you make it, that's 25 points. Yeah. And this is just continuous and you're teaching your tempo. So you got to do five on five, but it has to have some meaning behind it. You have to have some restrictions. Yeah. um, And you got to have some grading. You got to evaluate.
0: Yeah. I did the strike, what you call a strike draw. I I named it something different, but again, from neighbors. And we play a slower style than you, what we did last year, but we did it for conditioning we would say all right the shot clock will be 35 and i'll count down and we're going to play to 600 or play to 500 yeah and kids are trying and 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 every offensive rebound you had to kick out a lot of times we don't have 15
1: players we um because our, our you know we're a small school my goal this year if we have 15 is to do three teams of five where it's you know more of a um a cutthroat situation um where you know if Things are not done correctly. Boom. Next team comes on. I I love that. That's always been my goal is to have three sets of five in our program. We just haven't had the numbers. Um, actually I want to share one that I got from a friend of mine. One thing about this podcast that I do, I steal things. Oh yeah. Uh, A guy by the name of Kurt Gelsdorf. I don't know. You might know Kurt. Um, but he's a great, uh, coach out of, um, Oregon city, um, Oregon. And they have had a championship-level program there, started with uh, Brad Smith and, and so forth. Um, it's called uh, five-on-three, five-on-five running running groups. And basically, it's um, they start five-on-three, and then the other two teams, let's say the it's black versus red team. The red team is three defenders, three red defenders. The black team is five offensive players. The two red – other two players come to half court and wait. They play five on three, all right? So if – no matter if the black team scores, the red team has to take it out, and then they come back five on five, and what they're working on is the press. The black team's working on their press. It's more a pressing team. Five on five, okay? And then as they play five on five, red and black on, on the other end, Okay, now if the black team gets a steal, they can score again, all right? But you have a third team, which is, let's say it's the blue team. They then bring three players on on the other basket and wait. So it's kind of continuous with three groups. Yeah,
0: that's good. I'm always looking for things to make the practice more flow flow better, less standing around, and things to make more competitive work on, you know, multiple skills and – a press defense here, a half court defense here. So, you know, that was real good. I remember um, watching a a college team practice a few years ago and they had, uh, you know, to work on transition defense. Let's say your team uh, scored. Well, the coaches would have the basketball on the sideline, a basketball about where the old timeline was, and they would throw the ball in from there as a guy breaking down instead of having to stop and inbound it. So to really work on your transition defense and give the uh, the, the offensive transitioning team a little bit of an uh, advantage, and it was really, really good. Just those little things you can do to make the practices at a level of difficulty um and so the kids are growing and thinking and becoming better players. But, well, Kevin, we can't get out of here until we talk about the legends on the lake clinic. And again, I know that again, I'm going to be hyper optimistic about the the fall and everything, but tell us a little bit about the clinic you do, where it's located, how long you've been doing it, the format you like to do and, um, all that type of stuff. Cause I, I'm a big fan of your clinic, your podcast.
1: No doubt. We call it legends on the lake. And we, um, I created it with a friend of mine named Lynn West. I don't know if you ever heard of coach yeah. West. Um, you have. Okay. Um, he coached, um, in Georgia for many years and, uh, about four, four or five years ago, he died of cancer. Um, uh, but we wanted to create this clinic where we brought in the best coaches in Georgia, uh, high school coaches, yeah. you know, of course he passed away and so forth. And a guy by the name of, um, uh, Pete Acop was also part of that. And Pete still come, you probably met Pete. Yep. Uh, he spoke at the clinic and so forth for few years, um, so, we kind of created this clinic and uh, it, it's ended up really kind of morphing into a really good clinic. A lot of, of course, now we bring coaches in from around the country. And I'll give you an example. Last year we brought in, you know, these guys, Glenn Hicks, Cole Hicks. Yep,
0: they're close uh, by to me.
1: Alabama. The best coach in America, Gene Durden, um, Steve Collins uh, out of Milwaukee, Audrey Taylor, coach of the year out of New Jersey. Jared Hunsinger, uh, you know Jared well out of Missouri. Randy Kaufman, uh, excellent coach out of Tennessee, and uh, so on and so on. We've had some great coaches. I mean, we just feel like it's – to me, I think it's one of the best clinics around. Uh, It's not better – I think the United Basketball Clinics, I don't know who it's run by, is probably better.
0: Yeah, I'm not (laughs) sure who that guy is, but they're not as good as yours. We're just blessed to get the location in Indiana, which kind of – Gives us something. But, no, your clinic's great, and what you get at uh, the Legends on the Lake is you get many different speakers. But what I like about it is you get a lot of high school coaches who coach the same type of kid we do. Now, I love hearing a NBA guy or a college assistant or head coach like Mike Neighbors. Of course, Mike Neighbors used to coach high school as well, which I think makes him so good. Yeah. But it helps when you hear speakers that are coaching a 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid like we're we're doing so we can relate in a lot of a lot of areas and then Kevin always feeds us really well and a great facility there so it's it's a really good clinic for sure
1: and we're hoping matt to get it we're hoping to you know either get set right now i can't even set a date until more news comes out but if we do uh, september or october hopefully i don't i don't know if it's gonna, it's going to be tough and if if not matt then we're going to do a probably a big zoom us which is not as good it's not I mean, that's not as good as uh getting online um uh, action I, one thing i'm looking at is to do a zoom and basically have our players or get get different play maybe bringing a college team yeah
0: that'd be good
1: do a zoom with the players yeah i, I mean i'm looking at something like that
0: yeah i'm, I'm thinking and like you are being creative about the united basketball clinics in the fall we've we've got dates set for hours and but we're just You know, it's a lot of depend on the NCAA is going to extend the live period, which will hurt, you know, because I get a lot of college coaches, especially Indiana. But, yeah, we'll be optimistic, and I hope we can all see each other at at each other's clinics. But, again, Kevin also has Championship Vision podcast. It's a phenomenal podcast. He's been doing it for how long? Kevin, how many episodes do you have out now?
1: Uh, I just did my 146th episode
0: today. So, Kevin's a a veteran of the podcast game. Uh, I think I've had – Uh, five or six out right now, and we're hoping to get to Kevin's level. But, uh, Coach, thanks a lot for coming on. You have a great deal of knowledge in many different areas, from getting your players better to your five-year plan, practices. And, you know, you can always get a hold of Kevin on his website and and Twitter, and I'll put all that stuff uh, in the notes for the show but thanks a lot, Kevin, for coming on. Uh, a friend who I have a great deal of respect for. And, man, one day I'd love to coach at the same school with you. Not sure how that would ever happen because I'm telling you, my wife, we're not – careful, man. We'll get you out here. Well, I'd man. love to come down to little South Georgia, man. I, I, my, my roots are down there in Warner Robins. I'd love to be back one oh, day. no but doubt. I don't see that happening anytime in the near future. But, But, Kevin, thanks yeah. a lot again. I really appreciate it. And we will do this again sometime in the near future.
1: Yeah, thanks, Matt. You're doing a great job, man. I'm really proud of you, man, on your podcast. I appreciate man. it. Uh,
0: I better step it up. Oh, come on. Thanks. Take care, All man. Right, man. All right, man. right, we'll see you. Thanks for joining us on the United Basketball Podcast. I hope you'll listen again to future episodes.